Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up with the Successpert, award-winning financial educator, wealth expert, speaker, and author, Alfred Edmund Jr. And your co-host, life coach and author, D. Marshall. It's Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. I am DC Marshall, and he is Alfred Edmund Jr. And if you all have been tuning in, then you know Alfred and I, we talk about faith and finances and, you know, leadership, all things that would really uplift us, um, all things that are relevant to us, uh, things that are for us and by us, uh, things that we're interested in and concerned about. This is not just a show about faith and finance in a churchy way, but really uh, conversations that, that are of interest to, to us, to our people. And so super excited about today's show, Alfred, because we're talking about what? What are we talking about today? Well, the topic today is cannabis, the cannabis industry, cannabis from vision to value. And so, as you said, we're talking about abundant life. And for my take, particularly as a, a person who works for Black Enterprise, it's about all things wealth creation. And wealth creation entails opportunities. Um, you, you have to be seeing the headlines all over about the changes that are happening all around us in terms of cannabis as an emerging industry. So this is going to be a great conversation to talk about what that means and answering the question, are the opportunities in this new emerging industry for real? And listen, if you're a regular listener of this show, you know, we talk about faith, we talk about finance, and we're talking about these principles of abundant living that obviously is rooted in the word, in the Bible, but we like to take it out into the world so we can have an impact on the world. Um, so we're talking about everything from entrepreneurship to leadership and today we're talking about opportunities, entrepreneurial opportunities, career opportunities, and an emerging industry, which we know as the cannabis industry. Now, if you're paying attention, or if, even if you're not, you need to know that cannabis and the industry is about a lot more than just the legalization of marijuana. There's a range of new products, new services, new careers, um, new entrepreneurial opportunities that is emerging as a result of the changes both legally and in terms of social acceptance around cannabis. Now you need to understand cannabis is not new. It's something that's been around for centuries in cultures around the world. So it's first, it's important to understand the history of it, but it's also to understand what that means in terms of opportunity today um, from the standpoint of abundant living, opportunities to engage in this industry and what it means for the social economic an environmental atmosphere going forward. Listen, we have a perfect, perfect guest to have this conversation. Our guest today is Faye Coleman, the CEO of Pure Genesis. Welcome to the show, Faye. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here today. So listen, I am a journalist who interviews experts, but let's talk about you know where we are right now and where we're headed. First of all, talk about Pure Genesis and, and what Pure Genesis does and what you do. 
as the CEO of Pure Genesis and how you came to be um, in that role um, at this stage of your life and career. Sure. Uh, thank you again. Uh, Be Lifted Up Radio. I really appreciate the opportunity to have this moment to connect and share my story, uh, especially as it relates to being in this industry. Uh, so how did I come to get into cannabis? Really, it's a corporate to cannabis type story. So I was in the in the midst of writing a book. That's another story. But uh, in, as such, I... Um, had amassed a lot of success in my career uh, in the Fortune 500 space. I was an engineer. I was in operations, Kraft Journal Foods, Campbell's Soup brought me to New Jersey. Uh, But then I was, you know, reflecting on, you know, I've done everything that I need to do in terms of what I was educated to do. Now I wanted to focus on what I really wanted to do. You know, um, given thought back, my mother had cancer in the 80s. I saw her on a five foot frame lose about 70 pounds, skin turned coal black. Uh, Her mental acuity was very low. And had she just been able to consume cannabis, she would have maintained her appetite as she had gone through her chemo radiation. Stuck with me. Fast forward, uh, the week after she passed away in 09, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So I'd always given thought to alternative medicine. So in 2018, I stepped out on faith, flew out to Colorado, went to a conference to say, are these folks just getting high, Alfred, and I need to get myself back to work quickly? Or is this an, a, really a business an industry where I can be successful? And I came back super excited and got started. Uh, and hence, in I think uh, it's now four years, uh, April 10th of 2018, Pure Genesis was born. Uh, we are a minority women business enterprise. Uh, we have over 250 years of corporate and cannabis expertise. And um, it's very simple in terms of our mission. Our mission is education, access, and advocacy. And as such, what we intend to do is to provide cannabis in all forms. Uh, and we're looking to uh, provide that, whether it be from cultivation or growing, processing, as well as dispensing. You know, in terms of all of that that you may hear today, I think the most important thing for us is that we're looking to be cannabis first community partners. And what I mean by that is 30% of our positions will be for re-entry programs. We're offering more than a living wage, transferable leadership skills training, uh, internships, scholarships, and 1% profit sharing in the community where we reside. Um, We have six business entities uh, where we are currently pursuing a license in New Jersey. Uh, We are multi-state hemp operators. We are also working on a USDA hemp grant in conjunction with Uh, major universities within the area. We are partnered with CHEM or the Cannabis Health Equity Movement to develop global campuses that aim at revitalizing underperforming Black communities by restoring underutilized land, creating small business development as well as workforce development, uh, and then making certain that our HBCUs uh, have that pipeline of talent as they enter into this industry. And then last but not least, we are launching a CBD uh, beverage called Genesis uh, by the end of this year, which we're super excited about. It's a little about a bus. I can see why you're so excited. And, and, and one of the biggest things uh, or, or points of education, I would say, over the last decade, certainly over the last five years, or maybe more the last decade, is helping people to understand this industry beyond what we know most about, which is marijuana. 
And yes, it includes marijuana. It includes hemp. We know that CBD um, has effects that are not psychoactive. THC is the, the psychoactive ingredients. But we're talking about everything from clothes, shoes, textiles, foods, insulation, biofuel. Uh, obviously, there's the health and wellness category, which I think the vast majority of the mainstream public is now really conscious and aware of that. Those become very popular for a, a variety of reasons, including pain management. Then there's the medicinal uses that you're referring to in terms of your experience with your mother and, and your own experiences. And then there's what everybody knows, the recreational um, aspects of it. Right. You're looking at like your position this to really educate across all of those industries. Um, I understand your personal journey, what brought you to this, but as a business leader, what is your approach to this as, as the CEO of the company and why are you taking that approach? Our approach is to create uh, generational health and generational wealth, you know, but to take a step back, let's talk about the industry a little bit more broadly in the context of, I think you bring up a great point, Alfred, because many don't understand that cannabis, I always say, is like the citrus family. Uh, And you have cannabis or marijuana or THC, uh, which is what gets you high. And then you have hemp. Uh, which is CBD or industrial hemp. Uh, And I think that there is always a misunderstanding in terms of what exactly is that. And I always say, let's boil it down to this and always put it in the context of revenue. (laughs) Let's put it in the context of revenue, because last year, cannabis or marijuana brought in $26 billion legally. Uh, CBD brought in $5 billion and industrial hemp a little less than a billion, respectively. But there's rapid growth across all markets. And the interesting part is that industrial hemp is expected to be around $60 billion uh, by 2030. So, you know, that's a huge opportunity that we don't even talk that much about, you know, so in terms of, you know, what is cannabis? Very simple. Anything over 0.3% THC or tetrahydrocannabinol, which is what gets you high, is considered cannabis. Anything less than 0.3% is considered CBD or industrial hemp. Now, as you look at that, and and I'm going to come back to some of those uses in a second, but I thought it might be good to actually share a little history around cannabis, if I may. So, you know, a little bit, uh, if you look at history, um, cannabis has been around since in starting in Asia around 5000 BC, and it landed in Jamestown, Virginia, around 1600 AD. Now, this is interesting because as the first colony that settled in the U.S., every citizen you may or may not know was mandated to grow industrial hemp. They had to grow it for England. Then as they grew it for England, what happened? So as the first slaves arrived in Virginia, they grew hemp. So we talk a lot about cotton and what slaves grew. Actually, they grew hemp. Actually, it was called the nigger crop. Believe hold it or not. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So now, now, now you're, you're breaking down something that is, that's new to me. Of You're saying hemp was one of the cash crops of the, oh, yes. of the trade. Oh, yes. I did not realize that hemp was really one of the cash crops of the slave trade. So you're going to the, the larger history, but talk some more about that. Pick up where you left off. 
Oh, certainly. It, you know, as I was sharing earlier, they did call uh, hemp the nigger crop and they called it the nigger mm-hmm. crop because hemp is really challenging to grow and harvest. It really is. It's very laborious. And hemp was so important. You mentioned how important uh, hemp is, Alfred, that you could use hemp to actually pay your taxes. That's how important hemp was at that particular time. In the late, it's interesting, in the late 1800s, 50% of all prescriptions were cannabis. People don't realize that as they talk about it medicinally. Now, as you fast forward into the early 1900s, I thought it might be interesting to point out that hemp was considered a billion dollar crop at that time believe it or not. So much so that our money was actually printed on hemp paper during that time. Andrew Mellon, our secretary of treasury signed this currency. Then what was it? 20 years later, DuPont DuPont found a cheaper way to make paper and plastic and being funded by Andrew Mellon, they had to figure out how to put a campaign in place to stop growing hemp. Hence, the propaganda of reefer madness was born, right? Which you may know about uh, Alfred. This is where they began to, of course, vilify the black community. And then they had the Marijuana Tax Act, which was really uh, a campaign to slow down the production of hemp, which was successful. Then fast forward again to 1970, when Nixon signed the Controlled Substances Act, which began the destruction of the black community, because this began the incarceration of our community due to minor cannabis possession. And it wasn't until 94 that Ehrlichman, who was Nixon's advisor, actually admitted that that campaign was used as the war on drugs focus to disrupt the black community. So, you know, it's interesting that we talk about the the landscape and the history of coming into cannabis today and what it means. And while we as a community still grapple with, do I, you know, do I believe in cannabis or not? I always say, start with the facts. Because then once you understand the history and the facts, you can move forward, whether you are a proponent of cannabis or not, but you can understand what the history has led to today and what our challenges are in front of us and how and why we're pursuing the industry. Wow. Like I said, mind blown. And I'm someone who has been paying some attention to this uh, as a business journalist over the last decade. Um, In fact, Black Enterprise has its own series called Green Enterprise that focuses on this industry. Uh, but but again, you, I didn't know most of what you just shared with our audience, and I think it's important for this conversation when we look at the perception of the CBD industry, the cannabis industry, and the potential opportunities on the table. Um, and obviously, we already know about the dichotomy with, um, to the degree that it was illegal, mostly black and brown people were incarcerated as a result of that. And now that it's legalized, the question becomes, how often and how much access are we getting to the opportunity and the wealth creation side of this industry? Uh, Dee, what say you? I'm still on the, you know, when she said, uh, Faye, when you said the nigger plant, I just, uh, you know, or nigger hemp, was it? Um, nigger crop. Nigger crop. crop. It's just, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, you know, I'm still back there, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm not at all um, surprised. I think because we are in a place where we're talking more about systemic racism, um, I land with anything that was established and or created or predated 1960s or 70s, they're systemic 
you already knew where I was going with this, right, Faye? It's systemic. It was on purpose. It was planned. And so, but you are such a wealth of of knowledge and knowledge is power for our people. Like we, I feel like so much of this, we need to be educated. Um, and so your voice is so necessary in this conversation. So um, so I'm, I'm so glad we're having this uh, and we get a little bit more in the background and uh, yeah, so. I appreciate that because, you know, more often than not, Everybody wants to talk about cannabis, of course, right? Because I always coin it this way. Cannabis is the sexy side of the business. CBD is the current side of the business. And industrial hemp is the long game that most of us are ignoring. But actually, the industrial hemp game is the game that we need to see ourselves in. Why? Because the focus right now, we all can agree, is on the climate, right? (laughs) the climate. I don't think there's a day that goes by that you don't hear about the climate. And what may or may not know is that uh, hemp uh, sequesters carbon or it captures carbon. So as we are looking to do just that, right? And we've got, I think, 30 years to bring, uh, you know, carbon emissions in line. Uh, the focus is just that. Uh, right now, there's a $1 billion climate smart uh, commodities grant that got launched on the steps of Lincoln University in Missouri for farmers and landowners that we can absolutely be a part of. There's a $100 million sustainabilities grant for those who are looking to develop out the supply chain. I think you had shared earlier, Alfred, uh, about some of the new products that are coming about, like biochar, which is a soil amendment, so you don't have to rotate your crop. Graphene, uh, so that uh, companies like BMW are wrapping their cars in and Tesla's looking at to make their batteries from. Activated carbon for clean water. We've got 800 million people that don't have clean water, 2 billion without sanitation. These are real opportunities. But that said, the most focused that we need to be right now is we need to get into the space. If we know or don't know right now, I think we've gone from in the 1920s having a million farmers to now having less than 50,000. Right. So farm foreclosures are rampant today. We are, in effect, land rich and cash poor. And we're losing some of the most desirable land in the U.S. So I know about five weeks ago, that climate health care and tax bill that got passed, they snuck in two billion dollars for five hundred thousand dollars for each farmer that has been discriminated against from the USDA. We'll see how it goes in terms of them getting that money. But this really is an opportunity for our farmers to pick their head up and look for ways to revitalize their underutilized lands. And then at the same time, providing education to our HBCUs to make certain we're developing the next leaders within the cannabis industry through the knowledge that we have today. You know, I was talking about one of my mentors a long time ago. Um, the, the magician's trick. They said that everybody's telling you to look over there. It's not happening over there. It's happening over here. And just that's what came to mind when you said, of course, everyone's focused on, you know, the legalization of marijuana and how that's being dispensed, what that means in terms of tax revenue for states and other things. But the long game, this is the first time I've heard an expert in this space say, the long game is hemp. It's the industrialization of uses of everything from automobiles, to water filtration, to which obviously is huge industry. We're not talking about a billion. We're talking about billions upon billions upon billions because those are the main industries that drive our economy. So I am fascinated that I haven't heard that before because right now everyone is focused on 
or you know who's getting the dispensary or black people getting dispensaries not that that's not a conversation that needs to be had right when we're talking about a small percentage of where the revenue potential is in the short run versus the huge opportunities that exist in the long run um, as you said hemp is the long game yes you're absolutely correct and you know to that point, though, in terms of, you know, from the equity side, are we getting our due? Is that actually coming to fruition for us? You know, and I think everybody can be on board with this, that we've got a huge issue when it comes to um, investment, intentional investment, especially in black women. And this industry is absolutely no different. Right. <laughs> As we move forward, uh, I will tell you this. I read that over the last two years, 1,800 new businesses were created by women each day, and women of color represented about 89% of those. And then between 2014 and 2019, Black women represented the highest rate of growth for businesses. So we have value. In the cannabis industry, it's interesting. We kind of carry this less than 1%. I think there's not a market that Black women are less than 1% in. You know, it's um, it's a challenge to say, but it's actually the reality. But we own less than 1% of the market because the stain on the cannabis industry is lack of intentional investment. Uh, if we look at Black women entrepreneurs broadly, of the all women-owned businesses, Black women own 15%, yet we only collect 3% of the receipts. Why? Because of lack of capital. Point yeah. blank, period, yeah. full stop, nothing else behind that. So it's time to invest in us. It's time to stop marginalizing us. Everything that we do, we can showcase our value and our worth, but yet we're still sitting there deliberately quiet when it comes to investment. So, you know, that's an area that we absolutely need to focus on. Yep. And Faye, I'm going to stop you right there. We're going to come back on the other side of the break and we're going to pick up right where we left off. It's Be Lifted Up. We'll be right back. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a Black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Funky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, for advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. 
with quality over quantity from concept to completion. Now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. And we are back with, I want to say the Reverend Doctor, the right Reverend Bishop, Chief Authority, uh, Professor. Actually, <laughs> Professor Doctor is probably the most appropriate term. Faye, you are a wealth of information. And this is such high value, rich conversation um, for our communities. And so when you left off, you were talking about, or right before we went to the break, um, you went in on women. And I really want to even continue that conversation and let you finish your thought. And then talk about the opportunity for women. And then how do we manage around lack of capital? Um, sometimes it's a lack of access to markets. That's one of the one of the themes. Another is uh, I've been in conversations where uh, super successful Black women have said, well, actually, would we need capital if we have the opportunity? So is it a lack of capital or is it lack of opportunity? And so if you could just pick up from there in terms of this idea about Black women, the representation and the opportunity here. Certainly. uh, To answer your question, I think it's a lack of both, Uh, you know, because as you talk about it, equity can allow for agency. Right. And here's where the challenge lies. Do we even have an opportunity for equity to gain that agency? And it has to come through uh, a change. And I think some communities are starting to see that change more so than others. Uh, I can tell you that if you just look at it from a social, purely a social equity standpoint, figuring in um, minority communities specifically, and I, let me just take that out and say black communities and stop talking in terms of minority communities. You know, equity can be realized through environmental, human and economic health. Right. Focus. We talked about climate change earlier, the viruses that are attacking us disproportionately, inflation destroying our communities. You know, it is really about the threat to our health and well-being. And so as you look at our communities, what what do we know? Black communities are among the sickest, the poorest, the most exposed to environmental issues, poor air, poor water. But most the disproportionate enforcement of punitive cannabis policy because it contributes to direct injury. And until these policies, quite frankly, are changed and we recognize the deliberateness, the deliberateness of harm that's levied against our communities, we are not going to achieve that well-being. That's some of, you know, so the mindset, I say all that to say it's a mindset that has to change at the leadership level. And we can't, quite frankly, we can't wait for government to do it. We got to pay it forward. We've got to be able to address capital investment privately. I've gone after, you know, my team and I, we've gone after funding. I've done no short of 50 pitches. I've uh, done pitches where we've secured uh, a significant amount of money, and yet we're still looking to secure funding. Uh, however, we've been told no. We've been told we have no value. Uh, we gave back a $10 million check because we had an investor that was a bad actor. They were a predator. 
their goal was to own our business. And when they saw us, the facade of seeing black females made him believe that we were um, uh, uneducated and lacked the professional dynamic to really pursue a deal. And when we tried to confidently tell him that that was not the case, he did not believe it. So we had to return his monies. Uh, he was quite shocked. But what it did was it opened our eyes, D, because at that particular time, we said, you know what? We can't be beholden to just winning a license. We have to look at this entire industry. And that's when we flipped over the cannabis coin and we began to invest on the hemp side as well as the cannabis side. Wow, that is, that is uh, just having the, not only the integrity, but the clear vision for the agenda of the company to know that, as we know, in the business space, not all money is smart money, um, since there's dumb money, and to recognize that as dumb money and use that to shift the whole strategy is just really very impressive and I think very important to the long-term success of your company. Yeah. Talk about, help our audience to understand um, we know that states, I think it's more than 40 states now, have adopted some form of legal changes relates to cannabis and how it's handled um, in terms of public policy, uh, social justice, criminal justice. Um, we know those changes are happening, though it's not happened on the federal level in terms of the legality of, of, of cannabis. Um, we know that 35 states allow the use of medical cannabis. Um, we know there's a, a growing number of educational institutions that are, um, you know, now teaching courses and offering degrees. But what has to happen from um, the legislative side in a variety of spaces for this opportunity, one, to open up more broadly, but also what we need to be paying attention to for more Black people to understand that the access points of this industry? Sure. I think, you know, one of the main questions that always comes out to me, I get asked all the time, every time I have a quarterly call with my investors is, will cannabis ever become federally legal? Right. <laughs> uh, one of the biggest questions. And I would absolutely say, yes, at some point it will become federally legal. Um, right now, you've got more than two thirds of Americans that believe cannabis should be legalized. Right. Uh, you've got in terms of full time cannabis jobs. This is where it tells you the trends are. We've gone from 100,000 jobs to 400,000 full time jobs in the last five years. 100,000 to 400,000. That's significant. Today, medical uh, cannabis is legal, you're right, in 38 states and for adult use in 19 states. There's reform in every state. This year alone, uh, the movement at the federal level with the Cannabis Administration Opportunity Act and the MORE Act, which aim to end the decades of harm that's inflicted uh, to communities of color by removing cannabis from the federal list of controlled substances is the focus, right? We can get that done. It will also help with decriminalization laws as well. Uh, so that's a big deal. I say all that in the context of one sentence, but that's a huge deal. That passes. There is a lot of energy behind that that will help move cannabis forward in the right way and put a, the right, um, I would say, the right light uh, on the industry to help influence that more. Uh, and then there's the Safe Banking Act. Now, this is another bill I would say that's not so clear cut. Um, you might say that the Safe Banking Act passes, it will allow to provide banking services. So you'll be able to do banking as well as get loans. However, what do you think might happen as a result? 
large companies, we call them multi-state operators, will be given an opportunity to secure significant loans with favorable terms. We all know the drill here. And then what happens to small minority businesses, right? We get small amounts, unfavorable terms, or denied, right? So this is what you have. So we've got to focus on what does this mean and how do we make certain we put into these bills uh, the right information so that we can be on an equal playing field. There's also cannabis research legislation that's going forward. So the movement is there, the energy is there at the federal levels there, it'll eventually become legal. When, that's another story. What are you looking at from a strategic standpoint for your company as the kind of the timeline horizon or the windows of opportunity to hit your goals as a company, then what does that communicate to other, whether they're existing entrepreneurs and investors or people who are looking for places to put their money and time and attention in this space to benefit from this? Sure. So, you know, as I shared earlier, Alfred, you know, I look at, I break this down in terms of cannabis, CBD, and industrial hemp. And on the cannabis side, we are looking to be multi-state operators, which means we're looking to have licenses in multiple states. We have applied in New Jersey. We've applied in Florida. Uh, We will also look to apply in New York next year as they're moving themselves forward as well. And then we'll look at Illinois as well as Pennsylvania. So that is our focus specifically in terms of what pure Genesis is looking to do. And then once this becomes federally legal, we're looking to have an exit strategy on those licenses. And why? So some folks might say, well, you just got it. Why would you give those up? Because if you don't, you're in danger of being bought out or shut out. We want to be effectively bought out. And you heard it. This has been an awesome Um, educational session for me. And when I hear Alfred say this aspect is new insight, like from the industrial standpoint, then we know we're doing, we're allowing God to use us because that means we are adding value. We're additive. We're not having the same conversation. And so we so appreciate it because the both of us are pretty tapped in, plugged in, but this has been so valuable. So here's my question, um, Faye, I'm getting from you you're a business owner and you're raising capital, at least it sounds, right, to grow your brand. That's number one. But number two, you're an educator. And that's what I'm taking away from this. But then um, I also have another question. Selfishly, I want to know, are you doing tours of the farm? And how do we help you? Yes, that's what I wanted to get to. So if you can talk about, just clarify for us as we begin to wrap up in this last segment, clearly how we support you because we know you are a business owner you're going to be raising how we support that you having access and then also this educational aspect and how it is that we can support in more of these conversations so that we can lean in to the opportunity if you think there's an opportunity for us and who that might be like who's the best candidate in our community for these opportunities or do we just invest in you and then talk about the farm uh the tours because i want to see the farm okay (laughs) all great questions d all great questions i will try to do my best at answering them uh but first to start with your question around investing uh, and yes, you can actually invest in, in Pure Genesis. We have six business entities. So whether you're interested in the cannabis side of the business, the CBD side of the business, uh, the hemp side of the business, uh, we have all those covered. So, you know, some folks might say, well, I don't want to do cannabis, but I'll be okay on the hemp side. Uh, we have that. So it just is a matter of what is your interest. 
Uh, you know, as we talk about uh, education, you know, our mission is education, access, and advocacy. Education first being a part of that. And so for us, we look at ourselves being a trailblazer within this part of the industry, so much so that next year we are holding a Black Girls Can event, August 24th and 25th. It's going to be a PG signature event where we're going to look to unmute the value, voice, and vision of Black women entrepreneurs in the industry. Our focus is to engage, empower, and short help Black women win. You know, we're looking to provide a network of Black women leaders to really help elevate these businesses, provide blueprints uh, for license acquisition, ancillary support, uh, funding strategies, one-on-one mentorship, and having a national agenda to speak with a one equity-centric voice. So for us, that's what purpose means and our mission is on the education side. So, you know, if you want to get on that farm, we could talk about that. <laughs> but uh, absolutely, uh, we're open to investors. Right now, we've got 40 plus investors, all African-American. Nice. Awesome. That's a beautiful story. Well, I didn't you. hear anything about the tours. Where's that? Where's that coming in? Well, we can talk about the tours. So, you know, whenever you talk about a cannabis business, they're always sensitive on tours, uh, only from the standpoint of you're always um, at the mercy of having something uh, challenging happen to your crop when somebody comes on your premises. Mm. Okay, so we don't want to do that. Okay, so we're going to we're going to actually we're going to cancel that conversation and even as a seed of like it's some a place to tour no we should be educated but um i think that's in fact that's even an educational uh nugget there just that well no it's actually it doesn't work like that so that's good but you know when our producer mentioned you should see such and such well like look well i want to see it um but 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 that does make sense that does make sense all of this is such a, a rich conversation and educational course i think in in so many ways so um, and then to go back to the from an investing uh, investment standpoint, um, are you talking about, I guess, for people listening, what does that look like um, in terms of investing? Sure. Like, does that work? Yeah. Sure. You know, if there are those who want to invest, like right now, uh, we are applying for a cannabis dispensary license in New Jersey, specifically in Atlantic City. We already have our facility uh, purchased. It's right across the street from the Hard Rock. We've already had a great conversation with the Hard Rock leadership. They're excited. We're coming. So, you know, those are all good things. And if you're interested in investing in that, we're open to that. If you're interested in our CBD beverage, which is called Genesis, you can follow us on Genesis Infused on Instagram. It will show you that we've got a CBD infused non-alcoholic and alcoholic cooler that we are bringing to the market. We have zero competition in the space in terms of that. Uh, So excited about that as well. You know, so there are a number of opportunities. We're going to be doing skincare products next year uh, using hemp. We already produced the hemp oil that we grew on our farm. So, you know, we're going to have that line of skincare that we're going to release next year. So there's a number of different avenues that you can engage in if you're interested. Uh, And then, you know, if, uh, when we'd like to, we could put our information up at the end and anybody wants to re- can reach out. You know, um, again, I, I'm going to say it again, that this revelation of the hemp side of the business being the long game. And as uh, you said, I consider myself relatively plugged in. Um, in fact, just last month I was at uh, Vic Mensa launched a new brand which is touting as a black owned brand 
of marijuana. I'm not someone who imbibes, but I was like, so I'm so fascinated by the opportunities in this industry um, that I went to a big event. I had a great time, by the way. Um, 93 Boys, and that's rapper Vic Mensa out of Chicago, his brand. Um, it's just very revelatory to me to really have you on the show and to really broaden our perception of what the real opportunities are in this industry. Is that something that you were conscious of when you went down this path and kind of and, and, you know, took this role as the CEO of this company? Or is that something that you kind of discovered along the way? So when we decided to flip that cannabis coin over and look at hemp, that's what we discovered, Alfred. And then we took a step back to realize what the full potential could be here. And then as a result, I began to place myself uh, in a position to be an influencer. So I'm on the National Hemp Associations Board, on the Cannabis you know, uh, World Congress Business Expositions Board. So all of those, not just because I enjoy being on boards, but it allows us to have an opportunity to influence and direct the messaging and the narrative in terms of how this business and industry moves forward, but to also know what's coming, what's ahead. And it really allowed us to have some insight into, oh, here's where the growth is. We have to get on board. And the interesting news will be, you know, once cannabis becomes federally legal, that's going to open up the international avenues. So as companies start to begin to understand the value and the potential, you can do it on the cannabis side, you can do it on the CBD side, you can do it on the industrial hemp side. All those avenues are wide open for you. Make certain you network, make certain you have some influence in the industry, you know, because that's what it's going to take and make sure you have a great capital position as you move forward. As we wrap up, I mean, D stressed the importance of helping help our audience understand um, where the investment opportunities are and how we can support. But if you're someone that wants to learn, you know, what are the best, where the resources, organizations, websites, for people that says, I heard this show, my interest is peaked. What are the things you recommend that they do to start educating themselves beyond um, this episode of Be Lifted Up? Sure. Uh, they, I would tell them that they need to do a couple of things. Uh, one, we actually have a workshop called Now You Know. So it's a trademark workshop. And if you're interested in learning about the plant medicinal aspects, uh, the business investment, uh, we can train on that. But also join various organizations, National Hemp Association, the Minorities for Medical Marijuana uh, Association, Women Grow. Those are just a few of the organizations. Attend conferences like the CWCBE. Black Canna Conference, which is coming up here in November, New Jersey Cannabis Insider, uh, MJ BizCon, which is a national conference in Las Vegas. All those are conferences happening between now and November. So get educated through those forums Intend, you know, immerse yourself, get educated, join those various organizations. That's what's going to help move you forward. Wow. This has been a, a truly enlightening show, you know, I don't know what I expected, but you gave me a lot more than I expected. Um, and as Dee said, we're, we're relatively plugged in just by everything. And it's always a real blessing when yeah. we are learning things we didn't know. And obviously, we're sharing that with our audience. Hey, we're just so glad you were able to join us. Um, thank you for being with us. Thank you so very much. I appreciate you guys. Uh, Dee, Alfred, Gwen. Uh, Pure Genesis is very thankful. I leave you with a quote, never underestimate the power of dreams and the influence of the human spirit. We are all the same in this notion. The potential for greatness lives within all of us. Wilma Rudolph, thank you. All right. And we are wrapped 
ladies and gentlemen, or Alfred, you know what? I didn't really expect that this conversation would be that conversation, you know, because when people start talking about cannabis, they start talking about it from CBD. And then I thought perhaps we could go into, you know, uh, or we were going into the injustice, why, you know, so many of our people are incarcerated behind this, but that was such a rich conversation that I really appreciate that she stretched us and I learned so much. Um, so yeah, that was just really awesome. Yeah, I agree, Dee. But the thing that also that I appreciate is that while the discussion around cannabis is more accepted in mainstream than it was even five or 10 years ago, there are still corners of the faith community that are you know, kind of shying away from even engaging in that discussion. So this fresh aspect of it um, is much broader than simply whether to smoke marijuana or not, or whether marijuana should be legalized or not. It is really an important conversation in the faith community as well as in the larger Black community. And so you're right. This, this wasn't what I expected, but we were certainly you know, beyond blessed with what we got from, from Faye Coleman, the CEO of Pure Genesis, on our show. Listen, you guys, you've been listening to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. You can catch this episode and other episodes at B, the letter B, liftedupradio.com. You can follow us across the socials, as they say, at B, Lifted Up Radio, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can get clips of this and other interviews on our YouTube channel. Um, and you can also catch us, of course, on Sirius XM 141 AQR Voices, where we stream three times a week, but we premiere on Sundays at 5 o'clock Eastern. You've been listening to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. Thanks for joining us. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians, Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist, Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation. For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective.